Good morning, good afternoon. How you doing out there today? It's me, David Robert, back again for the Marketplace of Ideas podcast. Hope you're doing well out there. Whomever or whoever is listening, I never really understood the whom or who. I guess it's a alliteration, if that's the proper word. But anyways, hopefully you're having a great day, a good time, living it up, enjoying this festive holiday season. Whether you celebrate Yom Kippur, I don't think that's actually in Christmas, sorry. Um, Festivus, Christmas, Feliz Navidad, um, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa. Um, or just no mass, you know, uh, whatsoever. Um, hope you're having a good time with those that you love. Uh, please be careful on the roads out there. It is pandemonium. This is the last week until Christmas and it's the last shopping week. And I believe this is the busiest traveling day of the year as well. Uh, from today until Monday, Uh, If I'm not mistaken, American Airlines said they're going to be transporting close to 26 million Americans. And I don't know as far as international numbers go, but it's it's crazy town out there. So keep your head on a swivel. Stay safe. Okay. Uh, Today we're going to be chatting about something that I saw in the news. It has been, it was a story that broke just yesterday. But it was something that gave me a bit of pause. Oh, excuse me one second, sorry. Excuse me, just had to sneeze off of the mic there. It's dusty down here in the old studio. But uh, there was a gentleman who was a part of Ellen DeGeneres' crew, I guess. He was a DJ, his name was Twitch. 40-year-old uh, black American gentleman uh, married to a lovely, lovely lady. He, uh, they had three children. He committed suicide um, the other day. And a lot of people didn't see it coming. They were very, they were kind of shocked and put in awe. I, I saw it, unfortunately, while I was attending my daughter's first ever Christmas recital at school. So, um, you know, I was just checking out the Wi-Fi and this story came on the wire, so I thought I'd maybe chat about it a little bit, and also what this season means to a lot of people who are really going through it. So a little backtracking, um, the last two years, if anybody has been living under a rock, will tell you, has been very traumatic for a lot of reasons. Uh, from 2000, from, you know, from 2019 to now, we have seen a plethora of biblical <laughs> proportions in the way of uh, famine and floods and wars and rumors of wars and debilitating inflation and price gouging at the pump and also at the grocery store. I often look at, I go back to some of the YouTube videos I like to watch and I see people celebrating, you know, New Year's Eve 2020 and just thinking, oh, oh, Johnny, did you, you backed the wrong horse, you know, it was... Had we had the foresight to see what was going to happen, maybe we would have all spent 2018 and 19 building bunkers and buying hand sanitizer and toilet paper. But nonetheless, um, there was a lot of shit that went down. And literally from that winter, we started hearing about this virus coming across the mainland and over the seas and coming from China 
and accusations that it was a lab leak and that there this you know was the the bird the bat flu um you know somebody had some bat soup and just a lot of a lot of the worst asian hate that you could you know muster so we saw that and then we um and then subsequently we we, we for some reason we were like all going to make banana bread sing kumbaya and cheer our healthcare professionals it de-evolved into uh I will never take the vaccine, um, F the mandates, and people basically punching out Walmart um, greeters asking you to wear a mask. I nearly came to blows with a couple of people at the gym I was working at at the time that wouldn't wear a mask. And, you know, I was like, you either put this mask on or you're going to wear three shoes, you know, (laughs) two on your feet and one in your ass, you know, like get, get out of here. So, um, it's, it's been trying. And, and that's, not, that's not to say anything about the loss of life, the painful and just almost insane choices people had to make when it came to end-of-life decisions for family or friends, whether, you know, hospitals and funeral places were not allowing people to, ha- to gather in more than groups of three, you know? And, and then we had people, you know, schools clothing, closing, businesses shuttering major industries that relied on large scale gatherings of people from concerts to sporting, um, games to, to whatever you name it were, they were all shut down. And the only way we could look out into the outside world, outside of going outside by ourselves or in our backyards or on our porches or in our yards, if you were lucky to have one was online and let me tell you, the internet is undefeated. The, the level of crazy that was unleashed is, uh, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're going to be coming through that. Psych, like psychologists are going to be, you know, utili- utilizing that, that treasure trove of information for decades to come. The, the level of hatred, you know, anti-Semitism, anti-Asian hatred, um, you know, discussions of woke society. We had lines being drawn. And and all this was going on during racial unrest with um, the death of a one George Floyd. Breonna Taylor, you know, um, Amadou, I can never say his, his, last, his last name, so I'm not going to try, but he was a gentleman that was jogging and was pulled, you know, accosted by three, three um, losers and uh, was, was shot, didn't have a weapon on him just under the accusation that he was, that he was a thief. And so we saw so much division, so much anger and, and, and it, it filtered into family too, because on the one hand, you could be someone of color who has family members who don't believe in the black lives matter statement or the comp or the company. And they vote a certain way and they believe a certain thing about science and they believe a certain thing about, you know, climate change and, so much of the last two years culminated in what I like to call the buck stopping, the can not being able to be kicked down the road any further, and the chickens coming home to roost. There were so many things that came to a head in the last two years alone, it'll make your head spin. Like I said earlier, from climate change um, deniers to climate change advocates to people who were anti-vaccine, were anti-mandates, were anti closures of schools and everything else to people who who um wanted them to remain closed to stay open 
it filtered into our gatherings to where, you know, if you look at QAnon and, and these other, other ideologies and other sort of um, groups that spearheaded a lot of the crap, it's caused irreparable damage to where families, friends are not speaking anymore to where people who used to be best friends, if you look at their post on Facebook and they would say something derogatory about the Black Lives Matter struggle, or they would say something about, you know, vaccines, and you would look at them and be like, what the hell? Like, what made you, I thought I knew you, you know, kind of thing. Like, it was just, it was just a very, very um, broad, (laughs) broad stature of, of insanity. And so that leads me to, the holiday season, right? Because now things are open again. As I said before, people are traveling and we have millions of people that are getting together. The holidays are here. We've got every form of advertising out there, letting you know where you should spend your money. If you don't have any money, hey, don't worry. We can, we can get you that credit card. We can get you that, that extra credit card, you know, don't don't have the money for it. You can pay for it in 2050, you know, 2055, whatever. And to make matters even 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 more crazy, uh, the quantitative easing that we saw with the 2008 financial crisis has finally come to a point where they can no longer fight the correction that we should have had back in 2010. And so interest rates are starting to rise at levels we haven't seen for almost 40 years. With that, people who want to, you know. Um, refinance their homes for another fixed five year or whatever, they're having to pay and find an extra five to six to seven to almost a thousand dollars a month. And you're going to see a lot of foreclosures. And with the cost of interest rates and, you know, the rising cost of everything else, that just floods back to every, just to you, right? And I say that to kind of lay a foundation of what people are facing out there. And even though we do see smiling faces and, Enjoyable captions on Facebook and Instagram. People are effing hurting out there. One statistic that I saw on global news while I was getting ready to drop my my daughter off to school was stating that food banks and soup kitchens are starting to see increases tenfold to people who have never had to look for a handout because they always had a job. And God forbid a health issue or somebody got laid off got, um, right. What is it? Um, outsourced, you know, now they are, you know, have, having to look for these sort of handouts and having to come to family or friends, you know, hat in hand looking for help. And that level of shame and embarrassment that could surround a person when you've done everything right. You follow the rules. You may have gone to school, got an education, got a degree. You may have married your high school sweetheart. But nobody told you about, you know, um, predatory lending. You know, nobody shared with you how to, who controls money and who, who allows it to, to filter through the system. You know, and you're just, you're just doing your thing and you happen to have a few kids and, oh, you know, you got to pay for diapers, you got to pay for, you know, car seats and, and, and extra food and everything else. But you're, you're doing okay. Cause you, you know, you got a bit of credit and so you have a little bit of debt, but you're, 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 you're holding your own. And then maybe the car needs fixing and that takes a little bit extra out. And 
and you're having maybe an issue with your with your your father or your father-in-law or your you know you're estranged from a family member and you know the stress is building up but you're you're still holding on and then something happens that just breaks the camel's back you've and you can't take it anymore and you end it you know and i think this is what is so startling to me with this gentleman by the name of twitch and i'll get his his real name in a second here who ended his life it's that when we look at advertising and marketing for the Christmas season, for the holiday season, I mean, my gosh, we, we have every form of holiday expectation that we're going to have a great time. That, you know, all the problems that you had that I mentioned before about, oh, you know, you got, had to fix the car, got the problems with the family, you know, oh, okay, well... All right, kids need braces. Ah, okay, the school's asking for, excuse me, they need money for this. And, you know, there's so much stuff that people have been dealing with for the last two years in particular, right? And we could even go further back, but I, I want to focus on the last two years where people have had a shitstorm of stuff coming at them outside of regular life. It's just been one thing after the other. And without having the proper ways to, to deal with it, to address it, people just hold that on. They don't let it go. They, they let that fester and build up, build in. The Bible talks about not allowing the sun to go down upon your wrath, meaning don't go to bed angry. Let it go. Finding ways to release that tension, that worry, that fear. But as you can see, if you go on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, it is ever-present. And I'm just talking about the stuff that every, everyday people are going through. I'm not talking about somebody who perhaps has refinanced their home and used to have a variable rate, but now they, they interest rates have gone up. They can barely maintain it. Arguments are now starting in the home about money. Maybe somebody has lost their job, doesn't have one, taking care of a sick family member. You know, on top of all that, you're trying to be good to yourself, be good to your relationships, you know, and, and people, perhaps there's just, you feel like there's no way out, that there's no hope, that there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Dare I say that light looks like uh, a truck or an oncoming train barreling at you. And that feeling of hopelessness, despair, anguish. You know, when you pull up to the soup kitchen, or you pull up to the Salvation Army, asking for a handout, the levels of anguish and pain that people are feeling now, just off, if you just even want to look at just the economy, forget, forget the beef that they're facing with family members who might be a racist, or who might be a bigot, or who might be a misogynist, or who might still think that Trump won and that Putin's war against Ukraine is justified and that NATO is just a really another word for the new world order. You know, it gets, gets crazy out there, you know, gets insane. And people are trying to deal with all of that, but the reality is they're not dealing with it. They're burying it. They're drinking it away, smoking it away, you know, drinking the coffee from Tim Hortons, checking your phone. Meanwhile, this huge monster, be it debt or be it 
family relationships or be it, you know, whatever is just looming on you. And that's, that's kind of like the environment we find that we're in right now. So it's, it's no wonder that people are offing themselves. You know, if you haven't had, um, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but if you haven't had um, years of trying to at least find better ways to talk to yourself that I've, I've been, you know, been doing, or at least being honest and, and just having sessions where you just sit and be at peace, meditating, praying, deep breathing, whatever it is, you hold on to that stuff and it will, it will feel like you are carrying the weight of the world. Now, before we touch on what happened with Twitch and so on and so forth, we've seen his case before with people like Robin Williams and James Belushi and, um, oh, the food blogger, um, Anthony Bourdain, people who had the world by the tail, as it seemed, you know? You know, I'm not going to try to be a racist or a bigot, but all healthy white males at the top of their careers, um, money, fame, beautiful women, beautiful place to live. And they, they would look at their lives and, and, realize, and feel like they were, they were nothing. And when the news broke about Robin Williams, I, uh, I cried. I, I, I didn't even cry for my grandmother on my mom's side because she was, you know, she, she hadn't spoken to the family in so long before she got sick. But, you know, I've had, I've had, you know, very close relations. I never shed a tear for, but Robin Williams, you know, I, I was, it was really hard and not because I knew him, but because of what he meant to me growing up, my adolescence, all of his films, his performances touched me and, and made me feel seen, you know, and heard. Anthony Bourdain, I, I didn't cry for him. I barely knew of his work, but looking back on his stuff, you realize here's a guy who was very accomplished, well-traveled, you know, um, loved life, had, you know, could call people like President Obama, people that he knew. You know, James Belushi, a, a comedic genius. Some would say the precursor to like... Uh, like a Jim, like a Chris Farley, if you would, you know, it, it's, it's startling. So I want to delve into a little bit now. I just want to, you know, preface by saying I am not a psychologist, nor am I a counselor of any type. Um, so any of the things that I espouse here, you know, is just from my own personal experience and my own opinion. And so if you are, you know, going through a really rough time, especially with this holiday season, I would suggest talking to somebody, anybody, talk to your stuffed teddy bears if you, if you have, if you have them, but just to release and get this stuff out and start to deal with it is, is the first step, realizing that there is something that is bothering you and not trying to, you know, hide it and, and hover it, hover it underneath. So, uh, this gentleman by the name of Twitch, now if I could just see him here, uh, let me see. I do not, let's see, there you go, his name was Twitch Boss, I'm sorry, okay, so um, there's a whole bunch of, you know, flurry of news footage coming up, 
People News said that Stefan Twitch Boss's mother sends thank you after his death. I can't use words right now. Stefan Twitch Boss, former Ellen DJ and uh, SYTYCD. Dancing with the Stars? Is that it? I don't know. Sorry. Dead at age 40. Um, he was an American freestyle hip hop dancer, choreographer, actor. TV producer and television personality in 2008. He finished in second place at the American version of So You Think You Can Dance. Okay, sorry about that. Um, he leaves behind, like I said before, two beautiful daughters and a son. Um, he, he had left a suicide note in which he talked about alluding to past challenges. Um, says here on TMZ, which I, I don't normally trust for any, you know, breaking news, but, um, I don't see why they would try to defame the man's good character. You hope not. But it says here that Stefan Twitch boss left at least one clue as to what his struggles were leading up to his suicide. It came in a note alluding to challenges he faced in the past. TMZ has learned law enforcement sources say, tell us. Twitch's note left at the scene of a suicide was an ambiguous reference to his past challenges. It's unclear exactly what he was referring to in the note. He told investigators, we're told investigators have determined Twitch took an Uber from his home to the motel less than a mile from his home Monday morning and, and switched his phone to airplane mode so no one could reach him or track him. TMZ broke the story. His wife, Allison Hooker, was frantic when she showed up at an LAPD location saying Twitch left home without notice and wasn't answering her calls. As we first reported, it was a motel staffer who discovered the popular DJ and TV host inside his room, dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. In addressing her husband's death, Allison said, Stefan lit up every room he stepped into. He valued family, friends, and community above all else, and leading with love and light was everything to him. She continued, he was the backbone of our family, the best husband and father, and an inspiration to his fans. To say he left a legacy would be an understatement, and his positive impact will continue to be felt. I am certain there won't be a day that goes by that we won't honor his memory. So we can take from that, you know, what you will. Nobody outside of Twitch and, you know, maybe the good Lord, if you believe in a higher deity, could have known what was going through his mind, holding that gun to his head? Was he thinking about his children? Was he thinking about his wife? His wife did state that he was the backbone of the family, that he was the, the light and everything else. And I can't speak for him, but I can definitely speak for myself. I could state that under no circumstances would I presume to state that suicide is a brave thing to do. And in truth, and I, again, I, I'm not going to speak ill of, of this Twitch gentleman because I, I don't, I never met him and I don't know him, but it takes an unbelievable amount of more strength and courage to look at your problems, to look at your issues, to look at your concerns and say, okay, I'm, I have an issue with depression, with anger, with gambling, with addictions, whatever it might be. It could be sex addiction. It could be porn. It could be, um, you had a violent upbringing. Maybe your father put out cigarette butts on your face as a child. 
Maybe it was sexual abuse, or maybe you, you know, you, you, you're suffering from PTSD from, from time in jail or from in the military. Whatever your problems are, anxiety, mental health issues, The true nature of courage in standing up to what is bothering you and what is hurting you is to recognize there is something. And that could take years. It's, it's far braver to look as if you are somebody who's weak and say, I need help. I'm not okay. I'm hurting right now. And that is... It's supremely difficult for men, in particular black men. I, uh, I remember growing up with my brother, and we would often tease, make fun of, and laugh at, to, our, to my shame and chagrin, of people who mentally couldn't handle various problems. Because growing up as a first-generation Canadian, my parents coming from the Caribbean, life was far much more difficult than anything I experienced. And so my, you know, little anxieties and worries about if I, if I'd be able to watch Power Rangers or Visionaries on Saturday or, you know, oh my gosh, I, I wasn't able to, you know, all my friends had the newest Batcave and I, my mother got me the, the Byway version or the, or the, the Goodwill version of it or whatever was something that was, we were criticized, we were looked down upon, and we would also do that to other people when we would hear about people ending their lives due to things that sounded ridiculous or, or children that would have what I like to call, um, they would have their, um, their feelings of wanting to lash out and rebel. You know, you would look at it and say, what are you rebelling against? You have parents that love you, that aren't beating you, that aren't hurting you. You have a place to live, food to eat. All you have to do is go to school. You have angst. F you. What are you talking about? You weak little bitch. (laughs) But as you grow older, you realize that it doesn't matter where you come from. And and let's be real. Some of that is just the repression of what what people in these countries go through. If If you have family or friends from a third world country, sometimes they don't even have words to describe the stress and anxiety that they're going through. And that might turn up in physical ailments, you know, but, or alcoholism or abuse or just plain being emotionally distance, distant, right? The fact that we really couldn't complain about how we were feeling because my father literally went to school with no shoes on. It was very difficult to complain to my mother that, you know, we didn't have cable when she grew up without electricity, without running water, and without ever knowing if she would actually make more than $20,000 a year. Oh, oh, you're, you're, you're stressed out about, you know, the fact that, you know, you can't go to the school dance, right? Where my mother literally at the age of 12 had to take care of numerous brothers and sisters, and, and try to feed them with nothing because they grew up in poverty, abject poverty. My mother was quoted as saying, God bless her soul, um, poverty was a sin. She felt that it was something that was so damaging. She equated it to a sin against the Almighty. 
you know? So for people in, in Twitch's position, and again, I don't know how he grew up, you got to wonder, how does a man who's, as his wife, as his widow now, says he was the backbone, he was the strength, he was the one holding us together, well, who was holding him together? And I'm not throwing shade at his wife, she's probably beside herself, right? His children, I mean, it's, we've got a week till Christmas, you know, when you should be opening gifts and presents with your loved ones, you are trying to plan the last, you know, last rites. It is, um, it's cold, it's cold, it's, it's cold out. And so, I think what I'm, what I, what I, what I want to get with this episode is not necessarily to talk down upon the challenges that this gentleman had or any of the people I've mentioned who have ended their lives and who were feeling like they, they had no way out. But I think what I want to reiterate to myself, to everybody out there, I don't care if you're, if you're worried about getting a flat tire or you're scared that, you know, about health issues and concerns or, you know, that you're, you're estranged from your family, whatever it is, that... Do not allow yourself in any capacity to think that there is no way out. There's a, a gentleman by the name of Jerry Caulfield that I've quoted on this podcast. He was shot down in Vietnam a number of, you know, during the war. And he was shot down with two other pilots. He's an American fighter pilot. He was counted by, by, on by giving, you know, bread and water. Little hole in the floor to take care of his toiletry needs. He said it was the most inspiring and invigorating thing that's ever happened to him. And he wouldn't change it for the world. Now you think this guy is insane. What are you talking about? But he said what it made him do was re-examine himself at the harshest level and look at himself in the mirror, if he had a mirror, and talk, talk to God. Recount every day of his life. Mentally stimulate himself as much as he could and physically. He came out of that thing like nothing could break him. He wrote a book a few years ago about the whole ordeal. And I, it's on my to-read to, to list in, the, in this coming year. And the crazy thing was there were two other people that he got shot down with. And both of them committed, well, one of them committed suicide hung himself. The other is in, was in an insane asylum. I don't know if they've passed away since. And you ask yourself, what's the difference between those two people and Jerry Caulfield? And the thing is, he changed his communication with himself. So much of our headspace that we live in is based upon how we talk to ourselves, how we communicate to ourselves. If you keep telling yourself, this will never work out, I can never find this place, oh, I'm never going to find anybody... Your mind and your brain is like a heat-seeking missile, and it will make that a reality. I had a podcast episode a few, uh, a few episodes ago that talked about your thoughts can become your reality with my friend Desiree Grant, and we were chatting about that, and what you repeat to yourself on a consistent basis is going to be true. Now, it sounds very esoteric and very woo-woo-y, 
But if you think about it for a second, if I keep saying, man, I'm never going to meet anybody, I'm never going to meet anybody, I'm never going to find that one person, that one person could be staring you right in the face, but you keep telling yourself, I'm not going to find them. Or you have these crazy ideals of what they need to look like, what money they need to make, all this kind of stuff. And before you know it, you've passed five, ten of the ones, right? <laughs> um, so, in essence... What Jerry Caulfield was able to do is talk to himself. You don't think he would have loved to have ended his life? Stop the pain? You know, that anguish of wondering, am I ever going to see my children again, my wife again? Just recently, just this, uh, this past week, Brittany Griner, WNBA superstar, was held on bogus charges of a minor drug offense in Russia. Obviously, she was held because of the war that's going on there um, with Russia, unjust war, I'm sorry, against Ukraine. And she was held as a bargaining chip to let to get released, I believe, the gentleman's name, I almost call him a gentleman, sorry, the Merchant of Death, who literally funded guns to almost, almost every major conflict in Africa over the last 20 years. And they, they did a swap for, for her, and she's free. And I'd be so interested to find out like, how she was able to handle that for the last 10 months, knowing that she might have to spend an ad nine years if it didn't, it didn't look good. You know, the talks between the U.S. and America, I'm sorry, uh, Russia and America, seemed like they were at an impasse. So, I'm not trying to say that Twitch should have manned up James Belushi or Robin Williams should have sucked it up, grow a pair, all that kind of stuff. There, there's a time and place for that kind of talk and, you know, in certain circumstances. But what we need to do, and I believe what we can learn from this tragic event, is that particularly within this Christmas season, it's very easy to forget. While we're trying to, you know, go to every family get-together buy all the gifts, organize everything, get to the last-minute parties. People are hurting. People are in pain. All right? And we need to find ways to reach out and to say, hey, man, how you doing? I'm not calling to get anything from you. I just want to, I hope you're doing okay. Hey, man, I heard you lost your job. How you doing? You know? I heard that Aunt Sue is, is back in the hospital again, or I heard that you and such and such aren't talking. How are you doing? And we might think we're doing that with social media. We might think that we're doing that with Instagram and Facebook and all those other apps. But the problem with, with that is that you'll reach out to somebody on a tweet or a DM, but it's not the same. It doesn't take the place of an actual letter or a one-on-one. -on -one. And if that's not possible, a phone call. You know, the, the ability to connect with somebody on a real level has been so damaged because of the pandemic, but also because of technology and our busy lives that it's really hard for a lot of folks to feel like they're actually connecting, that people actually care. And that could lead people to live inside their heads. And I tell you, as somebody who has had his fair share of uh, internal battles, as it were. 
your mind is not trying to keep make you happy. It's trying to keep you safe. And so much of the things that we tell ourselves that we think are trying to help us and keep us safe are critical. I, I saw a quote once that said, if you talk to somebody, one of your friends, the way you talk to yourself, you wouldn't have any friends. Right? And so I think the first step is to start positive conversations with ourselves. No matter how stupid it sounds, your life and the quality of your life, at least internally, is going to be determined by how you, how you communicate with yourself. And I got that from Tony Robbins a number of years ago, and that stuck with me. And so a great example of that is, let's say you lose your job, like so many of the uh, Twitter and Facebook followers did over, the last, over this last month, past two months or so. You know, there was, it seemed like every tech company was just laying people off, left, right, and center, you know. And how would you take that? You just finished computer science, you just finished at MIT, you just finished wherever, and you're without a job. And you were just employed at this high-ranking place of Google or Twitter or Yelp or whatever. Well, if you ha still have the skill sets, you could say, all right, well, I've got three months severance. I can enjoy the holiday season, and then once January hits, I hit the ground running and connect with every connection I could find. Maybe you take this as an opportunity to finally travel or say, hey, you know what, I don't have any, if you're, if you're younger and you're not married, I can use this as a way to travel or, or like to get out there, to maybe for one month just live as an artist, <laughs> you know, just paint. Even though you're terrible at it, just paint, right? Start that book that you've always wanted to start. If you have a family or, or whatever, maybe you start to realign your, your, um, your priorities. Perhaps this isn't the, the career for you. I had that experience in 2009 when I was laid off from my dental lab job. I love that position, but my future now mother-in-law had really kind of asked me, is this the thing that you think you're supposed to be doing? It might be time to move on. And after, I remember it was almost a year of barely able to find a job. And when I did find one, it was the wrong position because I was, I was trained in cast partials and they put me in Crown and Bridge and it just was a disaster. And I remember my old boss because the job that I was at, the reason I got the job is because my, the lab that I worked at was consolidated into another lab on the, on the south side of town. And I just remember seeing my old boss working in the, in the part that I wanted to work in. And here I was stuck in another spot and it just never worked out. They, they laid me off. They did pay me for two weeks, you know, worth of work. And it was rough. And I remember driving back from that and feeling like, oh my gosh, I feel like such a loser. But it led me to go into the physical fitness field, which I had a lot more success in. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, had I stayed in this position, would I be miserable? Would I have wanted to grow in it? Would I have left eventually? But I changed that attitude of I'm a loser, I'm blah, 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 to no, this is something I can use. How could I use this? How could I, how could I benefit from this? And again, I don't know what Twitch was going through, or Twitch Boss, as his name was. And actually, you know what? Let me get his real name here. What was his real name? Stefan. Or Stephen. Sorry. 
Okay. You look like such a happy soul. You know? So, again, where do we start? Is start to change our communication with ourselves. And that's something you have complete control over. You know, looking at your situation and saying, okay, well, what can I change here? How can I use this to better myself? How can I raise my standards? And look, it's going to be tough. If you're in financial debt, you're going to have to find a way to dig yourself out of that. It might mean a couple years of no vacations or no really newish clothes or you might have to cut off certain certain expenditures like your Netflix or whatever to save and finally get out of that. If you're trying to save for a house, especially in this financial climate, it might take some real sacrifice. It might take some ingenuity, some creative um, accounting. Don't want to break the law or anything, but thinking differently. Right? But starting on that path is very important and also reaching out for help and, and, and being honest to say, I need some help. Yeah, you know, when, when people ask you, how are you doing? Not just the fine, I'm okay, I'm great. Because I'm pretty sure this, this guy said that, you know, when people would ask him. And he went to a motel to end his life a week, a week and a bit before Christmas with a loving wife, two children, three children. I can't imagine the pain his family's going through. But I, I think. And wrapping this thing up, I think that we we need to be aware and conscious of what how what we're thinking, how we talk to ourselves, and our lack of willingness to reach out and to connect in an honest way with people. It's it's really easy to get caught up in in the holiday season and everything else. And I, I think I just want to leave by, by stating that a few years ago, I realized I was talking to a friend of mine and he was stating that January 21st is the most depressing day of the year. Statistically speaking, because you have three weeks since all of the hubbub has passed Christmas get-togethers. You've had all, literally for some communities, their their you know stuff starts for Christmas November first or right after right uh, you know Halloween midnight boom, it's now we're talking Christmas and from November first until January second, that is literally all people are thinking about, talking about, building up to the big day gets here. You know, it passes, we're in that weird phase in the week after Christmas before New Year's where nothing really gets done, no one's really doing anything, we celebrate the new year, you have a hangover for about a day and a bit, and then you're back to it, you're still in that Christmas haze, you know, for the first week you're eating all the leftovers, still playing with the presents, the second week rolls around, you're still kind of in it, but people are getting back to work and school, by the third week... There's such a letdown that I feel that's when you should have, like, I, I'm going to be hosting, Lord willing, a uh, get-together. I like to call it, you know, the Blood Fire Caribbean party because it's cold and, and you know, but it's a great way to connect with people. It's a great way to reach out. So 
I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is we don't have to dump all of our stuff onto people when they ask us how we're doing. But I think it's really important if you value your loved ones, you value your health to be honest and say, look, I'm hurting. I'm struggling. I'm in a bad space. We talk. Now, I will say this before I go. You want to do this with a trained professional or with somebody that has the time and the energy to listen to what you have to say. Don't call up your buddy or your female friend or your mom or your dad if you know that they they are the cause of this pain, part of the pain. But also realize that people are dealing with their own stuff. And sometimes it's it's almost all they can do just to get through the day, handle their stuff, and have a breather before they got to jump at it again. So you want to reach out to a professional. And there's a lot of them online. There's a lot of them that are accredited. Some, some jobs actually cover your talking with a psychologist or a psychiatrist. So there's that. And realize also that if people don't care, that's okay. If people aren't that concerned, that's all right. You got to keep looking for people who will, who will be concerned. And, and on top of that, show empathy yourself. If you know somebody is hurting and you're hurting, perhaps you can heal together. Right? And I think the last thing I want to say is br- brutal honesty. Um, whenever I'm meditating or whenever I'm doing any deep thinking, I, I hold myself to the promise of being, even, even when it's painful and hurtful to me, to be unflinchingly, brutally honest. And nine times out of ten, I've found that that's helped me in realizing, okay, why am I mad? Why am I upset? Why am I, you know, enraged about what this person said? Do they really matter that much? Am I just trying to, you know, kind of have them care about me? Have I dealt with my own issues? Have I dealt with my own problems? Why am I projecting onto, you know, onto, onto them? So... Just some food for thought. This is a bit of a rant. This wasn't, I didn't have anything, you know, I didn't have any notes or anything like that, but I just felt like, oh, excuse me, this is something I wanted to talk about. Um, the holiday season, again, like I said, could be rough, and, <coughs> excuse me, if you're not willing to look past all the glitz and glamour, there's a lot of people going through it right now. And so, yeah, you know, just reach out. I'm going to be doing that this Christmas to some people, seeing how they're doing, sending them a, just to drop a line, just say, hey, what's up? I hope you're doing well. It could mean the world. And, and, and again, not to guilt anybody, but, you know, if, if, if you never know who you could, who you could save or who you can, who you can help, you know? So till next time. Want you guys to take care, whoever is listening out there. Just want to let you know also that the Marketplace of Ideas podcast, we just tested the studio lights and the camera. So we're going to get try, try to get one, our first, com, I guess you could say, commentary video out this weekend. So please look for that. We have it on YouTube and we'll probably have a link to it 
and our Instagram account and everything else. But until next time, thanks for listening. Take care out there. Be good to one another out there. Stay safe. Peace.